Did you know that there are other ways to treat nystagmus that aren't surgical procedures? Today on episode 25 of the Dancing Eyes podcast, Dr. Julie Steinauer comes on to talk to me about how she has improved the vision of her nystagmus patients through vision therapy and syntonic lenses. Through syntonics, she has lessened the eye movements of all of her nystagmus patients, and she has raised each of their vision acuities by at least two lines. In this episode, she will explain to me how she does it, and she'll answer questions that you, the listeners, have sent in for her. If you would like to schedule a consultation with Dr. Julie, there will be a link provided in the description of the podcast. Check out the Instagram page for the Dancing Eyes podcast if you would like to see shorter form clips taken from this and all of the other episodes. And if you're watching this episode on YouTube and if you enjoyed it, hit that like and subscribe button. I appreciate it. Also, leave me a comment after watching this episode. Is vision therapy something that you would consider doing? And with all that being said, I hope everybody listening enjoys and gets something from this episode. And let's get on to the show. Here is Dr. Julie Steinauer. Um, I I think the first question would be, what is vision therapy? Yeah, so vision therapy is kind of a a unique program where we're retraining the brain in order to control the process of vision and vision processing a little bit better. Uh, So there's a lot of different components to it. And there are specific activities. So for instance, we might use a tool called a Brock string in order to train someone how to align and use their two eyes better together as a team. Uh, So there are a lot of tools that are utilized to teach a person how to control the process of vision, whether that be tracking or eye alignment or focusing. Okay. And so what, so what is syntonics? So syntonics is probably my passion, but (laughs) (laughs) um, it is utilizing different um, filters. They have different colors and it's a little hard to see those in video, but I'll kind of show you some with like a pen light, but it's basically using a, um, a, a lot of different filters in order to trigger the brain electrically to reprogram how the brain processes vision. And so for instance, uh, one of the filters that we use for patients to help them to see better, because a lot of times with nystagmus, patients don't see as clear and crisp and sharp since the eye's moving, they have a tough time you know, stopping and stilling that eyeball to focus in and see real clear. So one of the filters that we use is this bright yellow. It actually helps to um, clarify things and help our patients to gain lines on that letter acuity eye chart. And then there are other filters. So for instance, this filter right here, which I'll kind of show you with my pen light. This one very specifically is used to depress or slow the signal to the muscles that are moving the eye. And so when we depress them, it causes them to slow that movement down. So syntonics can be used to kind of reprogram the brain how to process vision. It can reprogram the brain how to align the eye and to control the movement. So a lot of things. Neat, okay. So are the the syntonics always, do you always recommend using the syntonics when you're doing the vision therapy or are there instances where just therapy without the syntonics? Yeah. So I've been a doctor since 2001. I started using syntonics probably somewhere around 2009 or 2010. And I don't treat any cases without it anymore. 
So kind of if someone's signing on for my program, they're getting the Syntonics package along with it. And the reason why is it's so much more effective in training the brain how to process vision better. And particularly for cases like nystagmus patients, it's a no-brainer. Like I, I cannot do what I do and what we can achieve with our normal program if I didn't use the Syntonics component. Okay. And you were telling me um, in most of the scenarios, I, actually, I think you said all of the scenarios, I think since 2013 or so that you've witnessed at least two lines of vision improvement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Since uh, we have been working with patients with Syntonics since around 2001, since I graduated. However, the bulk of patients, we see a lot more of them now who have nystagmus. And even in the last probably about four to five years, it's really increased. Uh, before I might see one patient per year or two patients per year. Uh, this morning, just as an example, I've got four consultations today. One already was about nystagmus. And so um, in a given week, I might do four or five consultations regarding nystagmus. It's probably comprising a approximately 20% of our practice right now. So we see a lot of patients who have it. And uh, I don't have a single case, uh, which is really cool, that has not achieved at least two lines of improvement on the Snell and Acuity eye chart. Oh, wow. Now, it, it would be a little different if somebody came into you, let's say with 2200. So you might expect to see a little more improvement on there as opposed to somebody who's coming into you with like let's say 2050 yeah maybe so there are a couple factors that really seem to be in play for whether someone gains more acuity improvement so for me i haven't necessarily seen that just because someone is 2200 versus 2050 they gain more lines at the 2200 I mean, there are more lines they can possibly achieve, but really what I see is the factors as to whether they gain more than that is how committed, how hard they work. If they're combining other things along with our treatment program, such as really a, uh, eating like a really clean and healthy diet, uh, maybe if they're taking some supplements that also can help with neurological, um, like reprogramming and reprocessing within the brain. So if I have patients doing that, and maybe including like chiropractics, they may achieve anywhere from three to five lines of improvement. Okay, so it is very dependent on the client and how seriously they're taking it. It is, yeah. Even if the, you know, I guess what's neat about it is even if the person is not taking it so serious, I have a really well-known case that I kind of talk about and I say, you know, this is probably one of those that if I could have like just shaked you know, shaken him just a little bit, I would have. Um, every time we went to work with him with various things, he constantly would say, well, I can't do that. I have nystagmus. Mm. And, you know, I, I always said, like, it's only a limitation if you allow it to be, right? So if you don't allow it to be a limitation, it's not really. Um, and we would always tell him, if your mindset is, is that you can never do it because of it, you know, why are you here? Uh, but even he gained two lines of improvement. Oh, wow. Okay. Have you ever seen anybody with nystagmus get to as good a vision as 2020? Is that possible? I have had some. And of course, those are the patients that are starting off at that lower, um, you know, kind of like better level of acuity to begin with. So if they're starting off somewhere around 2040, I have had patients be able to achieve 2020 eyesight. And I think it's also probably important to note that age is not really a factor. 
So I could have someone who is 15, super dedicated, and they would have the outcome that they have. And I could have someone who's 70 and they're like, eh, had it my whole life. You know, if I don't get better, I don't get better. Um, so it really is not an age factor. And I've had the flip of that also. It's more, again, like the mindset and, and what the person is kind of willing to do in order to achieve those improvements. Okay. Well, what's the youngest age that you would do syntonics on somebody with? Um, six months of age. Oh, wow. Have you had somebody that young before? I have. We have a lot of patients who come to us who have nystagmus and their parents are very concerned that it developed a couple of months, you know, into life. Um, there are, um, there are several things that kind of can be factors associated with that, that we look at. Um, it can be triggered by environmental and maybe even some health concerns like a virus that they contracted or maybe a medication or something that they've taken as part of their normal development around that age. Um, and what we look to do is, can we get the brain back on track electrically? And can we maybe help to detoxify their system? So we have quite a few patients who are under the age of two. Um, and it's interesting, um, as adults or young children, most people will put the glasses right on. You take yours off. You put the syntonics goggles on. But for really young kids and infants, we also do what's called a surrogate method. Um, I actually started the surrogate method because of my son. My son was born a month early and he had eyes that didn't line up straight, but they pointed out to the wall. And so doing what I do for a living, I was like, okay, how can I help my own son with this? He's too little. He won't wear the glasses. He's yanking them off. But I knew that there was some crucial timeframes for infants in order to achieve binocularity. So I wanted to work with him early. Uh, so we actually started working around about five months with him. And what I did was I held him on my lap, either when he was sleeping or he was being fed, and I would wear the goggles myself. And so in the surrogate method, what's really interesting is the electrical energy from me wearing the glasses passed to my son and helped him to gain alignment of his eyes. So we'll use the surrogate method in patients who are really young and it's extremely successful. Huh. That's super interesting. That was your idea? Yes. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering because, you know, you could, I was thinking it must be tough to get a six-year-old to to a six month year old to do this sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess that that must help a lot with that. Absolutely. And there are some kids who are challenged at, you know, six years or 10 years of age. Maybe they are um, having some developmental delays or maybe there's something going on with them like autism and they may struggle to be able to do it themselves. So there's a couple different ways that we can help them out with that. Either the surrogate method or another method is, is that they wear the glasses and instead of sitting to look at a light, which is what we kind of recommend, I'll kind of show you here. This is just like a little 
tabletop lamp that we use and we kind of recommend something similar to that for our patients but if they're young or maybe there's just some challenges there and they can't kind of sit still and focus on it they can put the glasses on and then they can draw on like a window using vis-a-vis markers and so the sunlight that's naturally coming in the window ambiently is enough to kind of trigger the syntonics glasses and to get the desired results that we want interesting okay so Obviously, you've seen results in vision with people with nystagmus. Do you also mm-hmm. see a decrease in their eye movements as well? Yeah, you can't really achieve the increased levels of acuity without those eye movements decreasing. That's that's really linked together. So in order to get that eyesight improvement, the nystagmus has to slow down. So part of our program is designed to getting the eye to kind of stop that movement. Now we know that there are several kinds. We know that lots of different types of nystagmus. There can be like a pendular. There can be a jerk nystagmus. It can go side to side. It can go up and down and it can kind of oscillate also. Um, So whatever form of nystagmus it is, what we're doing is, is through a proprietary method that we developed. So I developed this and we use a specific sequence of kind of going through and healing I call it like healing the brain and then taking the brain through a pattern that really allows the brain to slow down the movement of the eye so that the person can gain better control. And, you know, in nystagmus, a lot of times some patients will say, well, if I look off to the right side or if I tilt my chin, you know, this way or this way, I can get like a null point where the nystagmus either stops or it slows down. And what we're helping them achieve is that slowing down or maybe even that null point being in an area where they can control it or it stops altogether. And then we expand on it. So if, for instance, they come in, they say, well, you know, if I tilt this way and I go like this, it's pretty good. It's kind of stops. Then we'll improve on that so that they don't have to go into that exaggerated head motion or movement and we can get it more central. So it's a little bit more functional for them. Um, And then we try to work on the areas where it maybe even gets worse. So for some, they might say, if I look down into the right, it's so much worse. Like it just really moves a lot and I can't control it. So then we'll even work on those areas where the brain gains better control in those spots. Neat. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can barely move my eyes to the left. So Mm -hmm. everybody with nystagmus, we do have a null point. Like mine is up and like up into the left a little bit. And that tends to slow my eyes down. That's really Mm -hmm. good um, in terms of the, how the vision gets increased because because of the lack of movements you know whenever i go get my my vision tested the frustration is that i actually can read that but my my eyes are shaking too much so it's blurry because of the movements so only if they were just more still i would literally be able to see it exactly and one of the things that we do and we really recommend i'm just going to use a piece of paper here let me just grab something and write on it but the other problem whenever you go to the eye doctors that most eye doctors are going to toss up the whole entire chart for you to look at and as you know with nystagmus that's really super frustrating because it's bad enough that you can't you know stop to kind of focus in on things but then you've got like all of this letters in there and what it does cause is something called visual crowding And so what we recommend, if you can get the doctor to do this, is signal things, you know, slow things down by giving you a line 
and then individually kind of showing the individual letters. Uh, the problem is, is that most doctors don't really take the time to do that, and they don't really necessarily understand the visual crowding effect that occurs for nystagmus patients. But you can achieve a better eyesight if you can kind of, you know, get rid of some of the extraneous information all around. So showing like a line at a time or a letter at a time individually is going to be better. Um, and it takes time. You have to be willing to kind of sit there and let the patient relax because we also know that nystagmus will increase when someone's nervous and so that motion will increase is trying as hard as you can to sit there and look the movement will increase when you get worried about your performance on the test so it's really about being patient and understanding you know how a person perceives what they see and helping them and then as we get the brain to slow that down slow the movement or stop it all together, and we help you gain confidence, then we can go towards, okay, well, maybe we don't need to select out and show you just a line at a time. Maybe you can take the whole chart now, but we have to kind of work through it, breathe. There's breathing techniques that we use with our patients to get them to calm down and slow the nystagmus also. What kind of breathing techniques do you have them do? Yeah. So for the most part, you know, I mean, it's pretty simplistic, but if they're getting nervous and they're doing what I call shallow um, breathing, that's kind of right up, like right up in the chest, like you're not breathing very deep. And I tell people to slow it down, slow, purposeful breathing down deep into the belly so that you are slowing your breathing down for one, getting a nice deeper breath that slows everything down with your system and also concentrating on a breathing in through the nose and breathing out through the mouth can help slow people down and calm them more quickly. I wish more eye doctors would talk about that. You know, like it, I think I, I've heard too many stories from people coming on my podcast who their optometrist or op, their ophthalmologist doesn't really know much about nystagmus and mm -hmm. they won't take the time with them when they're doing their vision test or they won't block out the other numbers or letters. Um, and they certainly won't recommend the breathing. And I've noticed personally firsthand experience that the breathing does impact the movements of the eyes. So I think it's neat that you involve that mm -hmm. in your, in your Absolutely. Therapy. Yeah. And there's another technique too, if I can share it, it's kind of off topic of what we've been talking about, but it's actually a meditation technique that I use that helps patients learning how to shift their focus. And this can also help patients who have nystagmus. Um, if you Google it or you go on, you know, um, if you just go on YouTube and you're like, you know, do a quick search of this, it's, it's a candle meditation. But what it is, is that you light a candle. So you've got a flame, you take glasses off or contacts out. And what you do is you sit a couple feet away from that and you focus in so that when you breathe in, you look at the flame. When you breathe out or exhale, you try to blur it out and look beyond it. And so as you breathe in, you notice how the flame will get big or stretch or widen and it will come towards you. And what it does is it starts training your brain neurologically to pay attention to the difference in depth that a person can see, which is a trouble spot for nystagmus patients. They usually have a lot of difficulty with depth perception, but it can help kind of teach that there's depth to things. And then on the outward, that um, breathing out 
you're focusing or defocusing off of the flame, but kind of like letting it blur into the background. And it's teaching you how something kind of goes back behind. So minding your breath in and out while you focus on that not only helps to calm you, teaches you that nice deep breathing that I was talking about and can calm the nerves, but also can that flame thing can kind of teach you how to shift your focus and gain a little depth perception awareness. Interesting. Yeah, the depth perception is something that we all tend to struggle with. For me specifically, it's um, when it comes to driving, it's uh, it's one of my it's one of my struggles. You know, it's some, sometimes it's hard to tell how far away a car is or how far away something is. Have you ever had somebody who doesn't drive come to you in hopes that the therapy will then allow them to drive? Absolutely. Um, so not just with nystagmus, with, with other cases as well, but definitely with nystagmus. Um, so, you know, each state or depending upon what area of the world they're in, it might be a province or something else, but each area local to you will have various guidelines or laws associated with driving. And so because of eyesight, it may preclude someone from being able to drive in their area. So we do work with patients. That's a lot of times a goal um, to be able to reach the level where they can achieve driving. And local to certain areas in the U.S., if we're here, um, you know, there's restrictions like daytime versus, um, you know, daytime and nighttime driving. So there are various things that we can kind of help our patients through. So it's really about how much visual acuity we can achieve for them. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Do people have to mm -hmm. continue doing the therapy once they're done with you if they want to, if they want their new vision to remain? Yeah, what I tell people is, is that we're treating and kind of like training your brain to have a new electrical system. So it's almost like replacing the circuitry within the brain for your visual system. And if you were to just, for instance, become a person who uh, lifted weights and ran and did a strenuous exercise program, maybe to achieve a certain body style, if you were to stop that, after a, an amount of time, well, you would not have probably the same body style or physique that you had when you were working out. And so we tell people we're replacing the system kind of electrically within your brain, but you're going to want to kind of tell the brain to keep using that system. So in the program, you might be working 30 minutes or 45 minutes a day for a period of time. When you graduate, we might tell you cut that down to like 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, either once a week or once a month, but still periodically pull out and do those kind of pull out your tools, you know, do some of the activities that we've taught you to do. Um, and that way we are telling your brain to continually use the new circuitry that's been put into place. Okay. That makes sense. Is that usually mm -hmm. how long a daily session would be about 30 to 45 minutes? Yeah, so in our program is split into two phases. The first phase is going to be the syntonics where we're just kind of electrically rewiring the whole brain and flipping the switches to what we want it to do better. In phase two, they continue to do that and they're working with a therapist and doing activities uh, more hands-on. So phase one, they do about 14 minutes a day of the syntonics. Phase two, they do about 45 minutes a day of the activities. And so, um, you know, and that includes the, they have a one um, session per 
week with our therapist for 45 minutes in phase two. Um, but then again, at the conclusion of it, we don't just want to work with you and there's just kind of like send you off into the sunset. We want to work with people and then give them kind of a system that they can continue to maintain. So we give them a protocol to follow once they graduate the program. So they again can kind of maintain that new circuitry put into place. So it's, it's about 45 minutes a day in phase two that they're working. Gotcha. Okay. And so you have a physical location, but you also do virtual therapy. Is that correct? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So we, and I'm sorry the I don't know if you could hear that, but they're mowing apparently outside. You're fine. So. Your mic is not picking it up at all. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I do have a physical location. We have approximately a 2000 square foot clinic here in Illinois. We're about 30 minutes or so away from St. Louis and the St. Louis airport. Um, so we do have a lot of local patients that come to see us. But a couple of years ago, the world went through some kind of some transition, I'll say it that way to put it mildly, right? Um, so when COVID hit uh, a couple of years back, our clinic had to adjust. We already had patients who were online at the time. So it was fairly simple for us to say, okay, we're gonna shut down the physical location for a little while. So we kind of get a better sense of what's going on and how we need to manage things. But we're going to have all of our patients go to online therapy. When we did that, of course, everyone else around the world was kind of experiencing a shutdown at the same time. And so they were all, I think, on their computers searching for treatment options. And another thing that happened during that time is that it was really hard to get in to see your doctor. Um, so a lot of people couldn't even get in for their regular appointments or couldn't get in to do therapy. So they started seeking out other sources. And uh, so after that process kind of hit um, in 2020, we went from maybe about 10 to 15% of our patients being online to now today, approximately 85% of our patients we see online. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And so in session two of the sessions, does somebody connect with their therapist through Zoom? Yeah. So the way that we do that in phase one, again, they're just doing the syntonics daily. They do some uh, measurements of visual acuity and peripheral vision, and they submit those to me weekly via email. And then when I assign them to a therapist for phase two, the therapist meets online with them with a Zoom session. Um, they get a, an ID meeting room that's secure that they can meet with their therapist, and then they log into the same meeting at the same time each week. The therapist then will go through a 45-minute session with them online, teaching them how to use their various tools. Um, and that's kind of what it looks like. And then they will meet with them every single week and follow up with them. Now, during phase two, we typically have our patients get retested by their local doctors and submit that information because we're working with their local doctor in order to, you know, achieve these results if they're not local to us. And so we will work with their local doctor and uh, kind of converse back and forth about what we maybe need them to test for us. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. And so earlier you did acknowledge that you would, uh, that let, let's say somebody showed you their null point, that you would kind of work from there. Um, mm -hmm. So, so you have seen a clear difference from somebody's initial null point to to where their null point is after the therapy. 
Absolutely. Um, and the reason why is, is that we believe in working where someone has success to start and then expanding upon that. Um, now, some nystagmus patients actually don't feel like they have a null point or have no clue where it's at. So we actually have to teach them to find it and where that's at so we can utilize it to help them to get better. But we have seen it change so that if a person initially their null point is, again, kind of maybe an exaggerated head position, well, that's not real ideal. You can't really do that in a lot of different things that you might be needing to do in the world is move into that position. So we try and work with them to get it into a more comfortable, more straight on viewing so it's not quite as exaggerated or maybe as noticeable, which for a lot of our patients, they're very concerned about that. And we want them to, um, you know, not feel like they have to move into that position where it would be noticeable to others. Yeah, that was that was one of the, the things with me and my no point is, well, first off, I didn't even know that I had a no point until I saw pictures of myself and I was holding my head in a funny angle. And I was like, why am I doing that? Why is nobody else doing that? And then uh, it just transitioned. And then later on in my life, I would do my best to try to keep my head still. And it was always so difficult because then I would keep my head straight, but then my eyes would be going crazy. And Mm -hmm. that was was pretty much what I was dealing with for a while. So it makes sense that some people didn't even know that they had a null point because I didn't for a while. Yeah, it also has to do with the, um, the way that the eyes are lining up. Most patients who have nystagmus will also have a corresponding form of strabismus. And so if the eye is turning, then there's going to be a position that aligns the eyes better for a little bit more binocularity and then the null point on top of it. So if we can control both of those things, then it reduces the need for that, again, that exaggerated head position. So we have to train the alignment of the eye and the brain slowing down the movement of the eye. Okay. Um, and you have a YouTube channel as well where you, you post mm-hmm. videos. And uh, I'm curious, how many of your clients do you think you got from YouTube? Right now, I would say probably about um, somewhere in the 90 percentile range. A huge volume of our patients will say, yeah, (laughs) 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 yes, Um, uh, probably about 90 percent of our patients at some point say they ran across our YouTube channel. Either that's how they found me directly, Um, you know, so many stories of like I've dealt with this my whole life. My doctor said there was nothing I can do about my eye movement. Um, I'm always searching to see if there's new treatments for nystagmus out there. And, you know, in the middle of the night, I was awake and I happened on your YouTube channel. Um, So we get a lot of those stories, which are so amazing. Uh, But that's probably how most of our patients actually find us this day. That's, like I said, good decision. Oh, man, 90%. (laughs) Uh, what would you say to somebody who's kind of on the edge? Uh, let's say they have the option to have a surgical procedure mm-hmm. or they have the option to do the vision therapy. What would you tell that person? Well, so here's the thing. It's really kind of two completely different decisions. Um, this is not the case for most problems that we talk about visually. So if we're discussing something like strabismus by itself, uh, we can train the brain to align the eyes without the surgical procedure. But if we have a case of like nystagmus, 
nystagmus can actually really benefit by the surgical procedure, moving the eye more into position and getting that movement to be less. You know, generally they kind of reattach the muscle into a different location on the eye and it will slow down the movement of the eye. So it's really two completely different decisions. If someone has a very severe nystagmus, the surgery can be really beneficial. I have had seen, I have definitely had some um, some patients that would say that it didn't make a difference for them at all. They didn't notice any change whatsoever. But we get about a split. You know, about half of our patients have it, about half do not. I typically get patients after they've had it. So I'm usually not part of that decision-making process. Most of our patients come to me after the fact. Um, and so if someone's kind of on the bubble of that, if you have a significant drop in visual acuity, so if you're in that uh, 2100, 200, 400 range, it absolutely means that the nystagmus is a lot more significant for someone in that area than if someone has maybe like a 2040 visual acuity. So the person on the end of that 2080, 2100, 200, 400, they could probably benefit from the procedure where it changes the alignment of the eyes. They will also obviously really benefit from vision therapy as long as the syntonics is a part of that protocol. Because what we're doing is, is again, training the brain to slow down the movement of the eye because even after the surgery, the nystagmus is still there. Uh, what it does is it's going to slow it down for some. Again, that's why if you have a little movement, not significant to throw your eyesight over that 2080 mark, might not really be a noticeable change to actually have that surgical procedure. And we probably would not recommend it at all. So it has to be in that realm of the eyes moving a lot. And that point, we might recommend it if someone were to come to us and say, hey, what do you think? What should we do? Gotcha. Um, and it also makes a difference if someone is congenital versus acquired. If it's acquired, absolutely don't do the surgery because we want to figure out what happened. Why did you all of a sudden acquire it? Is there some sort of environmental toxin that you're being um, introduced to or you're around that's causing the stagmus and we need to get that uh, toxin removed and then detoxify your system? So if we do that, we might be able to slow down or stop the nystagmus. Okay. Okay. Yeah, a lot of the questions that I'll get, uh, I'll have people ask me if I'm on drugs pretty frequently when they see my eyes because it's also one of the first things that like a cop looks for when they're looking for an intoxicated person is nystagmus. So that could be a little annoying. Um, that, uh, it's annoying and it's kind of sad too at the same time because it's sad that we think that that's the first thing that we have to jump to um, because there are lots of visual conditions out there that people will, um, you know, albinism, which is combined sometimes with um, nystagmus. Um, and so patients will oftentimes need to search or maybe they've had a stroke and they've lost visual field. And so they have to have a searching pattern in order to be able to see better. Um, I just think it takes a lot of education and you know, I guess in some ways, maybe we wouldn't necessarily fault the the um, police officer who thinks that right off the bat. But, you know, unfortunately, again, maybe it's just a lack of education on their part to know that well, it can exist in a lot of other conditions, not just in a case of being inebriated. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's very common for people who have nystagmus to have poor balance. And generally, this gets better with age. Have you ever seen and has anybody ever told you that they've seen an increase in their balance due to the therapy? 
Absolutely. That's definitely one of the things that happens because if you have a poor connection with using your two eyes together binocularly as a system, then what we're doing is really all about training the brain to have a better setup for being binocular. So we see balance and coordination change really drastically. So kids who maybe aren't able to tie their shoes or ride a bike, um, and then they can. Um, so, I mean, it's it's a pretty dramatic difference. It does have to do with alignment of the eyes because, again, many nystagmus patients are also going to have a strabismus or an eye turn, and that's going to cause some difficulties with them with depth perception, awareness of surroundings, binocularity, and it throws off their um, balancing system and their kind of body awareness also. Okay. I think that that's really exciting. I, I have a lot of parents who listen to the podcast, and they're they have young children and they're always looking for options to treat the nystagmus and a lot of them happen to ask me about balance so i think that it's that that's great news to hear yeah it is tied in with the binocularity and again you know usually kind of a strabismus or an eye turn related problem so once you work on the binocularity and helping the patient to be able to achieve some level of depth perception the balance definitely changes. Um, a lot of our patients, because of the poor acuity or eyesight in combination with the nystagmus, you know, they may bumble or fumble into walls and knock into things because they're not aware of their surroundings. And so we're also teaching them, you know, slowing the movement of the eye is important. Gaining binocularity is important. Improving the level of eyesight is important. Gaining some depth perception, perception is important, but we also have to teach awareness of surroundings. So that's another really big factor that we're working on for our patients so that they aren't misjudging their spaces based on how they see and they can, you know, comfortably walk in environments that maybe are busy, like a mall or a grocery store. Uh, we actually have a success story on our website recently from a lady who, you know, mentioned that she hated shopping. Um, because of the problems with her eyes. And I think she's a nystagmus patient. Um, don't quote me on that one because I could be getting it confused. <laughs> we have tons of patients. Um, but she mentioned that, you know, after going through at least a couple of months of our program, that she was comfortably shopping again for the first time in a lot of years. And that she found it to be kind of even, you know, like shocking, but it was kind of enjoyable for her. Um, because if you can be aware of your surroundings and you can see what you've got around, then it makes a huge difference, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Nice story. Do you have any other notable success stories? Um, obviously, there's a lot of success stories, but like any that kind of stick out more than others. For nystagmus, um, yes, a couple of the kids, you know, some of my really, really young patients where uh, they might have they might have came to see me when they were six months of age and weren't walking or talking or had a lot of problems even just making eye contact with their mom and really amazing and awesome whenever we see them on follow-up visits like six months later and you know and they are a lot more busy a lot more active but they're able to make eye contact and we're seeing things change like courses they're getting older too but they're talking and they're walking and they're you know, so a lot more functioning um, and helping them to develop. Um, another one of ours would be a patient. Uh, she's probably one of our favorite patients that we work with who has not just ocular albinism, but al albinism in general. 
And she had just been told her entire life there was really nothing that could be done. And we, I think she was one of those that was able to go from like 2,400 down to maybe like 2,080 or 2,060 on um, the acuity eye chart. And she went to college and just, you know, it, it can make a huge difference in people's lives. So we have quite a few of those stories, actually. If you go to our website, you can see those. Awesome. Awesome. I think it's interesting how um, how there's a lot of people who practice vision therapy, and they also have nystagmus patients, but they don't practice it with syntonics. It seems like a lot of the the impact that you've seen from from your work comes from the syntonics. Absolutely, um, and it's it's why I developed this again, kind of like this proprietary method of syntonics. So it's a protocol that I've developed to help our patients just over the years of seeing what worked for patients with nystagmus versus what did not work. And it's also why I train other doctors all around the world on how to do this particular type of protocol. Um, is frustrating for me, you know, because I see patients that could be getting helped all over the world and doctors who are quite capable who do vision therapy, but for whatever reason, they don't necessarily believe in the syntonics or they're just not comfortable with it. I would say probably about 85% of the time it's their comfort level is not there on how to actually utilize it for their patients and have success. And so a couple of years ago, we started teaching them how to do that so they can have success with their patients in their clinic. But there's still just a very small number of doctors who even really want to approach doing anything about it at all, number one. And then number two, it's even a smaller volume of doctors who use syntonics to help, which to me is just heart-wrenching because I'm like, why not? It works really well. (laughs) (laughs) What's the usual argument against syntonics from some of the people who refuse to practice it? Most of the time, it's just a lack of knowledge Uh and a real lack of understanding. Like most doctors think it's kind of like weird or, you know, I'll even say they use the word hokey, especially if they come from like the ophthalmology community. Um, They just don't think that there's a lot of like science behind it, which is totally not true at all because it's very much grounded in science. It started back in the early 1900s. And I always use the kind of like make the case of, well, other professions are using light therapy to help with seasonal affect disorder. We know it works. So this is electrically triggering areas within the brain, like um, the pituitary, like the hypothalamus. And we can also use it to trigger the cerebellum, which is where a lot of problems with nystagmus actually originate from. And so because we're changing the electrical kind of circuitry within the brain, I don't get it. Honestly, I don't get it. I don't understand how we don't make the connection that if we're changing the electrical circuitry, which will um, cause changes to our visual system and how our eyes line up and move together as a unit, how can we not see that that would be an improvement? I don't know. I mean, it is a neurological condition. It it makes sense. Correct. Yeah. And I think probably there's maybe a lack of understanding of how it is really impacting the brain and the circuitry within the brain. And that's kind of why I did a deep dive. I um, I got my certification to do the syntonics and offer that for my patients again, maybe roughly 2008 or nine, something like that. But even after coming out of the course, to be honest, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know how on earth to help my patients. I didn't know where to begin. I didn't know what to do. And that was frustrating. So I kind of started 
you know, it's like throwing silly putty or like jello against the wall and just like, what is going to stick? And after a while, I kind of started noticing that certain filters in combination worked. And then I started studying traumatic brain injury overall and how the brain really works to try and heal itself. And so our system is about like healing the electrical connections in the brain, increasing blood flow all over the brain. And then we balance out the neurological system, which is called, um, there's two parts of it. It's called the autonomic nervous system, which has the sympathetic and the parasympathetic gets techie, but we're balancing that out. Then we balance the hemispheres of the brain because you can't be binocular if that's not balanced. And then we work on overall alignment of the eyes too. And then we use specific filters for slowing that movement down. So it's really kind of that specific protocol that's working exceptionally well for our patients. Okay. And um, if you wouldn't mind talking about this, what, what's the pricing looking like? Yeah, so it varies. It depends on what someone's coming in with and needing. I mean, so if a person is coming in and needing, um, maybe they've had, um, it's an acquired nystagmus, or maybe it is a congenital nystagmus, nystagmus, but their eyesight is at such a level that is, you know, maybe it's not even readable. You know, maybe they can't see on the acuity chart, but it's more like accounting fingers. There's a various um, amount of like, there's a variety of change. So there's a program that's associated with the really extremely low vision patients that might be coming in versus our patients who have some acuity on the letter I chart. In all of those cases, we kind of would say like, well, talk to us. We have methods they can go through on our website where they can schedule a consultation. And there's such a variety in the program and the cost. It's really important that we get what's tailor fit and what's specific to you. So your program might look totally different than someone else's based on what your entering capabilities are. Um, so it really is dependent on what each individual's um, kind of like entering issues are okay and obviously i'm going to have everything linked in the description of the podcast but how can people reach out to you yeah so the best way to reach out is go to our website it's visionforlifeworks.com and they can go on that page and they can click on schedule a consultation uh, when they do that, it's going to take them, It's the fee for that is $149 for about an hour long consultation with me. I'll tell them to send all of their documentation, like whatever eye exams they've had recently, send that my way. So I kind of have something to look off of. And then we'll talk really specifically about their case. I'll actually do some tests with them and look at how their eyes are moving so I can make an assessment of what type of improvement I think they can achieve based on their specific case. Um, and so that our consultation is really focused on what we will do to help them specifically and what we expect. Um, and that's probably the best way if they're just not really certain and they want more information. Still, you can go search me on um, our YouTube channel. So if you Google my name, Dr. Julie Steinauer, or our channel is called Vision Therapy, um, you can find us and obviously look, we've got, um, I don't know, 700 or so videos, 800 videos or so maybe out there by now. Um, so there's a lot of videos on this. Our website in general has a lot of our success stories. So um, either of those places, they can kind of just get their feet or, you know, wet or toes kind of dipped into the water and see how they feel about it. Okay. Awesome. Um, before we finish recording, is there anything else that you think any of our listeners should know anything else for people listening who have nystagmus? 
Absolutely. I think the number one thing that they should know is that don't don't give up or don't think that there's nothing that you can do, that you just have to live with what you've got. In in some level, yes, you do have to live with the fact that you have nystagmus, but there are many things that can be done to improve upon that. Again, vision therapy and syntonics can make dramatic results and changes with the level of visual acuity and binocularity and depth perception. And then if we couple that with some other things, maybe it's diet and um, you know clean eating and supplements and chiropractics care, um, then you can even achieve more. So I think I think the idea is that many people just believe that they're just kind of stuck and there's nothing out there for them. And that's absolutely not true. And thank, thankfully for the internet, that's actually becoming more common knowledge that there's other options out there. I've, I've spoken to so many people who just 20 years ago, their doctors would be like, oh, you're screwed. That's, that's pretty much it. You're not going to be able to see. Um, or even parents who have a child with nystagmus doctor will just be like hey yeah not really going to be able to see anything nothing we can do here it C is what it certainly is certainly not talking about vision therapy maybe some surgical procedures but not not therapy yeah therapy you know i mean obviously that's a little bit less mainstream it's a little bit more alternative is always the word that we hear right it's alternative um which i don't know if that makes it sound better or makes it sound scary or not but really it just means it's not mainstream uh, mainstream would be something like medication or surgery and there are lots of things that you can do that aren't mainstream for all kinds of things whether that be high blood pressure or diabetes or a heart condition or whatever there are lots of non like mainstream treatments that are really amazing and so same thing here with nystagmus. It's kind of, um, I think, searching and finding answers and just not giving up. Awesome. Well, for everybody listening to this, I hope this was educational to you. I, I certainly learned a lot. Dr. Julie, I appreciate you coming on Thank here. you so much. Of course. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, our viewers are looking forward to this as well. So obviously we want to get a copy of, of the video recording today because we want to kind of plug it out to our people so they can connect with you. Um, you're creating an amazing community, I think, of support and, um, you know, um, positivity and hope and all kinds of great things. And I think that's so much needed in our world today. So I just want to thank you for everything that you're doing with your Dancing Eyes podcast and you know all that you do to help um, get the word out about it thank you i appreciate it and thank you for what you're doing with the therapy i'm sure you've thank impacted you. so many lives with that it's super awesome thank you so much